and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers, and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate, and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have a very special guest for you, Acharya Shunya. That means a master of spiritual teachings. Shunya is an internationally recognized spiritual teacher, ordained lineage holder and authoritative scholar of Vedic science of Ayurveda, Yoga and Vedanta. Shunya is the driving force behind Vedika Global, which is a wisdom school dedicated to awakening health and consciousness and was recognized as one of the top 100 teachers of Ayurveda and Yoga in America by Spirituality and Health magazine in 2015. Shunya is also the number one best-selling author of her newest book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and is one of the most extraordinary teachers of the living embodied wisdom of Ayurveda. She transmits this through her roots of her ancient family lineage as well as throughout her book. Now it's time for you to evoke your inner healer within you while sipping on a spicy hot chai tea and enjoy this interview with this enchanting woman. So today we have the lovely Acharya Shunya. Welcome to the show. My pleasure. So Shunya, I was going to ask you, um, because we were having a bit of a conversation around your name because it's such a beautiful name. Um, For our listeners, would you like to start with us? Just tell a little bit about your name, how you got your name and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I think my name has a lot of meaning for me because... uh, My name Shunya itself means infinity. And so just exploring my name has made me, you know, look at, you know, infinite ways of uh, being and becoming. And then Acharya, which is my title, means a master teacher. And I'm a master teacher of uh, three sciences which are interrelated, Ayurveda, which is a holistic science of health and healing from India, yoga, which is its sister science, and then Vedanta, which talks about a universal self. It is common to all beings, which expresses itself through all eyes and through the animate and the inanimate. And I studied these three sciences in India for many, many years, and here I am, um, you know, um, um, teaching once again here in California, uh, United States, um, to students from all over the world and who come to me to study. So I guess my name somewhat determined my life, you could say that. 
It's beautiful. And I think that uh, for our listeners who actually are not aware of what is Ayurvedic healing, uh, would you like to let's deep dive into that? Because as I was explaining, I had a, a test many, many years ago. And I think for me, what was really astonishing was that um, the questions were all based on your physical characteristics, uh, your frame, your weight, your skin, your hair and so forth to be able to identify your characteristic and I have to say that I remember back then I was very much pitta which is fire but I could really relate to what it had to say about myself as, as, as an individual. So would you like to tell us a little bit more about Ayurveda? Yeah, most people relate deeply with Ayurveda, even though it's from India and it's from a very ancient time, Catherine. At the same time, it speaks to what is universally existing, um, which is nature amongst all living creatures. So when we begin to um, connect with Ayurveda, we begin to understand how nature has, um, you know, through her vivid, beautiful strokes, created each one of us. And each one of us is unique and we may be dominant in one of the five elements, which are space, air, fire, water, and earth. And um, in fact, the foods we eat may also be dominant in one of the five elements. For example, ginger is dominant in fire element, popcorn is dominant in air element, and you know, grapes are dominant in water element, and nuts are dominant in earth elements. So this way we are eating these elements, these elements compose us, and we are also eliminating these elements. And so it's just a cycle of these elements, and these elements combine to form what are forces or doshas in the body, which is, as you mentioned, Catherine, vata, pitta, or kapha. So when air is dominant uh, as an element, then it creates for a force called vata, which influences our motions or our movements from our mind to our body to our limb to our speech. And we might have a very unique signature around movement. We might move too fast and which is both good and bad. I mean, on one sense, it could make us a great communicator or a runner. On the other end, it could make us anxious. Similarly, when we are dominant in the fire element, the dosha or the energy that we embody is known as pitta, which you are dominant in, Catherine, and I also have lots of it. And it, on one end, it's great, and you might agree, because we can pack away a lot of food, digest it usually well, are pretty sharp in the mind, and have a good memory that we can rely upon. But when it gets too much, uh, you know, we can become self-critical or irritable and even experience some burning or heat um, in the body. <laughs> Finally, if we are dominant in water element, um, water and earth, then we embody an energy state called kapha. And this uh, kapha is, creates for um, heaviness, stability, lubrication, and structure and immunity in the body, which is all good. But in excess, it can create weight gain and depression. Um, but when it's just right, it can create for some very wonderful, loyal, calm, content people. And so these three doshas, um, they create um, for personalized medicine, or once we know ourselves, we can choose foods that can either increase a certain dosha or decrease it or pacify it. And so it creates a vivid, beautiful account of how we can understand ourselves vis-a-vis -vis nature, Catherine. And the best part is that um, there is a lifestyle wisdom, or there are teachings, a prescription of a 24-hour lifestyle and a six-season lifestyle that we can lead 
And when we follow that lifestyle, all our doshas become balanced and we become the happiest version of Vata, Pitta and Kapha. Mm, so for example, if somebody had too much uh, fire, would it be, because I'm looking at it from an elemental perspective, so if we had, uh, for me, too much fire, um, would that then be, um, uh, would you balance that out with the water? Is that correct? Would you then add a lot more kapha to your diet to be that able to right. balance the fire element or the pitta? That is right, because likes increases like, so we would definitely not be intaking too much fire uh, element-based foods, nor would be exposing ourselves to the direct sun or sauna because like would increase like. But dislikes decrease so we can include more water like grapes and, you know, sherbets and cooling things like coconut water. Uh, We can increase more water and earth and air and space, so lighter foods, but we will definitely reduce the burning, spicy, hot, you know, peppers and other things like wasabi or even alcohol is sharp and it would increase fire. So it's very simple. And that brings me to the fun point about Ayurveda that healing and recovery and well-being is so simple. It is not based upon some complex technology. We don't have to spend a lot of money. We just have to understand our nature. And then sometimes we think, oh, my God, you know, Why do I have these traits? But we don't have to feel any shame around anything because those are the brilliant strokes of nature, Catherine. So we can just be our happy pitta rather than feeling irritated with ourselves. Yeah, of course. And I'm just thinking too, would that work for, so for example, for myself with pitta, if you add air to fire, that almost increases the volume of fire. So if we were to add vata to pitta, uh, so if I had a lot of vata food, would that increase my fire element? Only in excess, not too much. Mm. And, you know, generally when the doshas are out of balance, they give typical symptoms. And so we have to see sometimes more than one dosha may be out of balance. So, for example, when pitta dosha is out of balance, some of the symptoms are increase of heat, increase of yellowness or redness in the body, and increase of exhaustion and, uh, you know, thoughts which are somewhat piercing and sharp within ourselves. When vata dosha increases, then we experience pain or stiffness, insomnia, and too many thoughts and um, a tiredness. Sometimes both the doshas can be increased at the same time. And then we would then pacify the dosha, which is maximally increased at that time. So we would begin with either vata or pitta based upon which dosha is more more um, exacerbated. And that's why a good book uh, or a good teacher, good as in somebody who can sit down and systematically explain this to us, uh, will serve us because once we understand this knowledge, we can go very far with it and often take care of things right there, nip it in the bud. So we begin feeling, for example, if I begin feeling some heat in the body or in my stomach or even in my mind, I say, okay, what have I been eating? What, what kind of television was I watching? How did I increase, you know, pitta somewhere? And then I will get onto, you know, my palate. I'll change my foods to make them more cooling. Instead of spending time in the sunlight, I would choose the moonlight. And I would find, you know, uh, I would look up a book and look up pitta pacifying foods to calm it down. So this is why it's a very, very um, customized or personalized medicine and, and it really um, supports us and empowers us 
in in instead of rushing to the RMD, which we can do that if we have actual disease. But in the very beginning, we can take care of all our symptoms by ourselves. It's it's pretty amazing because I know lots of people. I mean, I've heard over the years that people actually do this form of um, and follow this form of healing because it's it's cured cancers and it's cured so many. Um, you know some of the major diseases, and purely by following, um, doing an assessment, finding out what is their dosha, and then following it by, um, like you explained, not just food but environment. So, for our listeners, um, if they wanted to uh, proceed and find out what is their dosha, is that a matter of um, contacting you and doing an assessment, or how does it work for our listeners? Uh, it's really simple. Um, one can contact practitioners of Ayurveda where, who can be now found worldwide. You correctly assess, Catherine, that Ayurveda is not just, you know, woman talk or some, you know, folk healing. It's a well-developed system of medicine. In India, people go to the university for up to five years to study it. And worldwide now, Ayurveda colleges uh, are, you know, cropping up everywhere. I am the president of a California-wide association of Ayurvedic medicine. I'm the founder of a school of Ayurveda, Vedika Global, in California. And my school is one of the dozens of schools in America. And worldwide, you know, I'm participant in a 60-country consortium. And all of these countries are, you know, interested in bringing Ayurveda and its awareness to their countries and communities. And why? And the reason is that this works. And the best way to really begin Ayurveda uh, to bring Ayurveda closer to us is to read a reliable book. And hopefully our listeners can find my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, which is released uh, a few months ago, and it's already a bestseller. And, um, you know, and, and, and if possible, then once they understand it themselves, they could just begin leading their life from there. If they want, they can look up a practitioner. So the resources are becoming easier and easier, but what was needed was, a very authentic, um, systematic, in-depth explanation. And that is what I've tried to offer. That's why it's not a slim book, but a 400-page book. But one doesn't have to read all of it. Cherry picking is fine. And just within a few pages of reading it, one starts understanding and checking off a list of symptoms and seeing, okay, which dosha do I need to pacify first? And the best part is that I've also gone to the trouble of explaining a complete lifestyle which is relevant for all doshas and no matter what dosha we are if we begin leading that lifestyle all our doshas become balanced so ayurveda has a lot to offer and i urge everyone who's listening to us right now catherine that they they should not think that oh what is this ayurveda i've never heard it i can't pronounce it this is as something exotic from an exotic country i think it's time that we really gave ourselves the room to explore what is truly valid because it's 5,000 years old. It has not had to make any embarrassing recalls. It's there. It's working. It's helping people. And as Catherine said, curing cancer is truly a miracle. And Catherine, you know, I, might, I want to share with you that I myself suffer from a genetic condition. I have an immunological challenge because of which many people are, you know, in wheelchairs. But, um, um, I was just uh, finishing up saying that in spite of a genetic condition that wants to put me in a wheelchair, I'm doing good. Right. So is, is that what inspired you, Shunya, is because of what you were experiencing? 
probably because I was born in such a family that which is a traditional family of healers and teachers that inspired me. But the fact that in spite of having a condition that puts people in wheelchairs, I'm walking, I'm running, and I know how to be pain-free. I guess that re-inspires me every day, you can say that. Oh, absolutely. And so I guess from your day-to-day, what's the best part of what you do? Sorry, come again, please. No, what's the out of your day-to-day work, what's the best part that you do? What I think do you enjoy the best. The best? Part, <laughs> I think the best part I do in a general sense, is that I try to be true to myself. That is what I would say. Um, Completely true to myself and try to lead. I keep investigating if what I believe in is what I'm living or have I begun to lead somebody else's life. Yeah, yeah. So would you have done anything differently with the benefits of hindsight? I would have led even a more bolder life than I do now. And when I mean bold, I mean in the sense of I really begin to see that there is nothing to fear, not even ill health. And I can use nature and I can use um, I can use the tools given by nature to be in a much more happier space than ever. So when you say, for example, Shun, if you have somebody that comes and sees you and they're riddled with uh, fear, how do you actually work through um, a fear, for example? How do I work with fear? Yes. How, how would you work through? So if you had, a, you know, a woman come to see you who was riddled with fear, how would you work with that? I think the first thing I would do, Catherine, is I would role model to them a compassionate fearlessness because the best way we can teach people to be fearless is to really embody that within me. And I have been known to have that effect on people where I don't have to talk to them or, you know, necessarily counsel them. Just because I, in my everyday battles with life, convert every battle into an opportunity. When people talk to me, sit in front of me, read my writings, read my book, they become inspired. In fact, um, I don't know how I do that, but I have been inspiring thousands of people and uh, but probably um you know where words fail only presence really affects so i i don't know if i want to talk about fear i think i want to live without fear mm. so is that is that something that are you um do you ever experience fear today i don't okay so you I, that's amazing that's that's amazing. I don't. And I have gone through every difficulty, but that is part of the spiritual work that I do that I feel that I am, um, I observe that there are changes happening around me that are difficult, that could be called obstructive, that could be called, um, you know, really, really devastating probably. But then myself, has tremendous capacity, you know, our presence, we, we undermine our true self is what I feel. And we have, we have way bigger capacity than we think we have. We, we just think that we are the thoughts that we have about ourselves. But <laughs> the real self is very different. And I, I may sound really strange to some of our listeners, but I want to say that I was riddled with fear growing up. And I had lots of fear and fear had bottled me up and fear had 
you know, blocked me and blocked me. But through the spiritual teachings that I now share with the world, Catherine, which first I internalized, which talk about a fearless, inexhaustible, boundless, amazing self that we all have, I really cannot be honest if I accept and say, yeah, I live in fear. I don't live in fear. I live in the now and I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah. So from what I hear, Shonya, the, the reason you don't experience fear is because you are the observer of your life. You're not actually in it. You're just observing it. Yeah. I have an actor and the actor gets through things and the observer is um, untouched. And so I probably notice some things which could be called fear, but how can I call it fear? Because it doesn't paralyze me. It doesn't make me, you know, into a reactive person. And uh, I continue to remain in an equanimous and somewhat cheerful state of mind more and more every day. Mm. So, Shunya, you sound like a very wise woman. What would be one of your greatest lessons that you've ever learned? What some of my greatest lessons? Mm, what would be your greatest lesson that stands out for you? Well, I'm a woman and I'm a mom and I'm a wife and I'm a teacher and I'm a healer and I have dogs. And I'll tell you that one of the things is I've stopped trying to be a superwoman, super daughter, super wife, super mother, super guru. I simply try to connect with something super in all my transactions with all beings. But I don't try to be that super X, Y, Z. Yeah. So that's, I guess, my biggest learning is um, just being real, being uh, real. I, I love that, Shunya. And I think that myself and most of our listeners could actually relate to that. I think that sometimes we always strive to be, you know, that perfect mother or strive to be that perfect uh, wife or, um, you know, or teacher, whatever that may be. So, And, and sometimes that could be um, uh almost self-destructing because you're actually trying to be more than what you really are. Is that not right? Yeah, that, that is so true. That is so true. And, uh, you know, um, and then it leads to bitterness and disease. So I don't want to play games and I don't suggest playing games of any kind, least of all the emotional kinds. I neither play them nor get played into. And even when I shared with you about my fearlessness, it's my truth. It's not a posture. Mm. Yeah, but where, where I feel fragile or where I feel vulnerable, I share that too. And my vulnerability is in the fact that, you know, I, I live in relationships and all, all, and, we not, and, and we can't explain ourselves in every relationship. So there's always vulnerability there. And, you know, and there's always people assuming what they want to assume. But then I remain, <laughs> I, like I said, I value... I value reality in all my engagements. It was not always like this, but it's possible and it's a road to help. And in my writing and in my teachings, I always emphasize being real mm. because being real is great. So yeah, how do you deal when one, because uh, like you said, it's true, everyone, you can't control other people's assumptions, but how do you uh, not allow it to get to you? What's your trick? My trick is um, my, my observer, my witness. What I witness, I am not. There is an essential difference between the subject of the experience and the object of the experience. So I have now, I have awakened from the dream of 
fusion with my experiences. And I recommend that to everyone. And even my students find that they are less reactive because when they are even in their most intimate relationships, they know that they are the truth and everything else is an experience. And that really helps. And um, that's why I, when if people are attacking me or or attacking themselves or, you know, berating something, gossiping, complaining, or behaving in a manner which is not so pleasurable to even watch, let alone engage with, I mostly touch my heart and I experience compassion for them because they're not awake. I mean, they're physically awake, but they're spiritually asleep. Mm. And I think about that and I pray for everybody. Oh, that's beautiful. So sometimes what we do, we, we love to ask our women of inspiration if they have any pain points in what they do or in their business. Do you have any pain points, Shunya? I think my um, my my pain point was that sometimes um, I would take on too much because of my high sense of self-worth and, um, you know, stamina, but then I would also get fatigued. So um, I have now learned to space things and I give myself ample sleep and exercise and I walk daily with my dog. So things are getting better. I'm not going to remain in pain. Yeah, of course. And so, and that, that will also, how do you do that? I mean, for those people that are struggling with the, the whole life work balance thing, what would be some of, you know, that one bit of advice? Because I know for me, it's all about planning, but sometimes people uh, find that a little bit hard in itself because of the fast paced environment that we live in. So, what would be one of those things that you would have given, you know, what kind of advice? You know, um, I come from India, and India has given the first teaching of nonviolence, known as ahimsa, to the world. You know, and Buddha is also teaching ahimsa, and he was born in Nepal, which is which was once India at that time. And I want to say that when we uh, when we push ourselves too much, when we don't follow any kind of lifestyle, when we alienate ourselves from nature and we give ourselves one thing after another to do and we live like mindless robos stop you know we don't feel our feelings even i think it's a kind of a violence to our own selves it's himsa violence mm -hmm. and so i i like to teach ahimsa non-violence and it begins with your own self so if we want war on this planet to stop we have to stop battling our own self and we have to love our body and we have to give attention to our inner child. <laughs> mm. So how does one do that, for example? Because I hear that being, you know, quite often we hear about the inner child. And how does one connect with that inner child? One way is that when, we, when we're in the middle of being a robo and we're mechanically going from task to task to task, it could be that we would suddenly remember this conversation or look at a sparrow flying by or look at, you know, a beautiful bud and suddenly remember that I too belong to nature. I'm, 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 I'm here for pleasure too. I'm here to breathe too. And at that moment, take a pause. And I would call it the pause of, it's a spirit pause. Take a pause, breathe, focus on that breathing. And then if a feeling comes up, touch it. It could come up in a heart area. It could come up in your gut. And then tell that feeling, I'm here for you. And, you know, I don't know about the technical meaning of inner child, but when I'm saying it, 
I have a child a minute ago and I've grown up beyond that minute. I'm a growing entity and I'm leaving a child behind every minute. There are things unprocessed, unlooked at, because I was busy doing a task. Like as in this case, I'm talking to you. Mm. But the I, but the I can be a bridge between this moment and my past. And I can keep going back and saying, checking in, am I there with myself too? Or am I only with you, Catherine? You know, even though this is a pleasurable communication, we've gone so deep, so I'm enjoying it so much. But yet, only I can be my best cheerleader. I'm there for me. And even when I go to bed, I would recommend our listeners to take a few moments, disengage from a partner or a child in case they are with somebody, and then, you know, touch their own heart space and take a deep breath and say, I'm here for me. And that would make a big difference. Mm. So, Srinya, you actually said before that you have this level of compassion for other individuals because um, they're not spiritually awake. So for our listeners, for, for those that want to be more spiritually awake, what would be something they could do? To be more spiritually awake is to be awake in a moment-to-moment space and to remember that just like we dream at night, probably even when we are awake, there's some kind of a strange dream going on. And there is, deep within ourselves, we know who we are and we know we are visiting and we know that this is a journey. That is why each one of us who dies says, okay, I'm leaving now. Okay, call so-and-so and tell them I'm going. We all know we've come and we're going to go. So <laughs> we're visitors. And if we are visitors, then might as well be awake. And um, and what does awake mean? Awaken to our true spirit self, awaken to our true potential, and awaken to the stories that hold us back, and awaken to cultures and religions and societies that kind of, you know, force us into a robo-like existence. And that is why, to me, the science of Ayurveda, which literally means the wisdom of life, is so important. I'm not promoting just a system of medicine to heal ulcers and eczema. I want to heal the very forgetfulness of our true nature, Catherine. Mm. So it's really about being present in the moment with who you are and where you are at all times. That's right. Mm, and that's that's uh, that's um that in itself takes a lot of conscious and uh, conscious effort, but also a lot of time and energy to be able to be you know conscious of what are you thinking, what are you doing, what are you feeling. Um, are there any tricks that you do to get you through your days like that? My tricks is that I have started uh, um, becoming more conscious of my body movements, my company, my breathing. I spend more time listening to podcasts and videos. You know, that's what I stay in good company, company of people who also want to awaken. I think that's number one. I would uh, be careful of media that wants to put me to sleep or in a reactive mode but more in a thinking mode. And all of this, you see, what happens is one doesn't have to work too hard because spirit is our true nature and it reveals itself. Whatever is truth does not have, you don't have to work too hard. In fact, it's harder to stay asleep, spiritually speaking. It's harder to be a zombie. It's harder to kill our feelings and suppress who we are. And that's why we have disease and pain and arthritis and cancers and all kinds of challenges. But when we start waking up and gathering our light and all our force and energy, world, get out of the way because the truth is going to express itself, Catherine. 
Mm, sounds fascinating. So, Shona, what we always do, we always ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word that resonates with you? Power. Mm, I thought you were going to ask, thinking power or some, some sort of a spiritual abundance. Um, and the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Mm. My first nugget that I would say to you is say yes to darkness and to light alike. Because neither of them have the power to take away your joy or to give you joy because you are joy incarnate. Say yes. Just say yes, even in a difficult moment. Say, okay, yes, I accept it. And then see what happens. Infinite health, well-being, and capacity lives within you. My second one is that accept that you are both vulnerable and awakened at the same time, which means even if you are have a spiritual path, you have a teacher, you're reading great books, there might be days when you have a little more difficult day. Don't give up on yourself. You haven't regressed. Um, you are both um, vulnerably enlightened, and, and that's all right. And the third one I would say is practice Radical generosity. Forgive anyway. Because it's okay. Because they know not what they're doing. Asleep. Stay awake and practice radical generosity. These are my three nuggets. Oh, Shunya, you gave me goosebumps. I love them. And I love the one that you, I love all of them actually, but I love the whole yes to darkness. I think that's, it's about embracing it and not really running away from it because there is light within us and we, you know, everything that presents around us is for us. So I do Indeed. love that. So Shunya, for our listeners, where can they find you? And tell us a little bit about your book as well, because I know you, you also launched a book a couple of months ago. Yeah, so Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom is my book. Ayurveda is the book that talks about health and well-being and wellness and the way I teach it so people can look up it, look it up. It's available everywhere, including Whole Foods and Barnes and & Noble and Amazon. And people can reach me on my uh, website with by my name, acharyashunya.com. And I teach classes worldwide, so no matter where our listeners are, they could join us through online uh, technology. So I urge you to find me if you feel that uh, we have some work to do together in this lifetime. Oh, I love it. Shouldn't you tell us a little bit about your online program? How long does it go for and what it, what do you cover in your program, just for our listeners? In my myself? program, I teach everything for the body. I would teach lifestyle and cooking and herbs that, you know, that, that help balance all the doshas. I teach classes on, um, you know, ancient psychology, which helps us become powerful and fearless. I have hundreds and hundreds of students becoming fearless and leading their lives. You see, they're not only overcoming disease of the body, but of the mind too. They're finding their true, true inner being. And then I teach ongoing classes on spirituality that help us find our true, 
you know, spirit, light, self. So I am a, you know, I'm a teacher of all three, body, mind, and soul, but from an ancient Eastern perspective from India, but it's not religious. Um, I don't ask people to change their religion or nationality or food or cuisine. In fact, we're going to take off all those layers and discover something universal that exists within each one of us. And it just asks for a big, open, wide heart. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Shunya, for your time and energy. You're just an amazing and wonderful woman, and I love what you're doing, and I'm sure our listeners are going to connect with you. So thank you once again for today. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.